This episode of Absolutely Not is brought to you in part by Track and Assess. Bullying, discrimination, harassment, and racism is never okay, especially in the workplace. The Track and Assess mobile app allows you to store your thoughts, images, and documents in a secure private place, all while keeping tabs on your mental health. Download the app today and begin tracking everything. Remember, human resources is not your friend. Log it, report it, and hold them accountable. Learn more at trackassess.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Absolutely Not. I am your host, Katrina Stroll, and I am dedicated to providing examples of setting personal boundaries at work and the vocabulary needed to name harm in those spaces. That vocabulary includes words like gaslighting, harm, and relationship. These words and their definitions can be found on my website under the resources page. And you can find more resources there that could help you through your journey of setting boundaries. But today's episode is titled, I am not my work. I know that is a really good title. And it's something I'm working through every single week, every single day, honestly, to this hour. And that message today is brought to you by my amazing special guest, Brittany Janae. Yay, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Appreciated. Could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. And so let me just say I share in in the excitement. Really excited to uh, just be in virtual community um, and in relationship with you and the absolutely not fam in this way. when folks ask me, like, share a little bit more, more about yourself and, like, who are you, I think of it as an opportunity to, like, just model um, or maybe not model, offer possibility around just, like, some of the intra-personal work that I've been going and in, engaging in uh, for myself. And so, y'all, over the past few months, I've been, like, trying to, and that's the essence of this episode, really disrupt the lie that like colonialism and anti-blackness would suggest I believe that who I am is influenced or solely based on what I do and that who I am is this tool for production and so um I've been real intentional about like reframing like who I am and tell me a little bit more about yourself so I'll just share with folks that I am Brittany Janae. Um, first and foremost, I am human enough and worthy. Um, I am a Black woman and mother, a caregiver to two beautiful um, Black boys. Um, I am a sister. I strive to be a truth teller, an advocate, uh, an advocate for justice, and what I like to call radical self-love. I'm someone who is a constant learner, unlearner, relearner, and hopefully I'm someone who shows up as possibility for what it means to just be my most liberated self. Um, What I do, right, what I do by day, I am vice president of learning and innovation with the Winters Group 
And so that's a real fancy way of saying that I partner with organizations and institutions to design learning experiences that uh, shift perspective and empower action in service of equity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. I am the creator of Liberated Love Notes, critical self-reflections and affirmations for the culture, an extension of my personal practice and business that is really grounded in supporting Black folks and not just staying woke, but staying whole in systems and spaces that were not created with us in mind. I used to consider myself an overthinker, mm. Katrina. Um, but more recently, I've been reframing that to someone who is a perpetual wonderer. And so I have a lot of questions, a lot of whys for myself, for others, for systems, for organizations, um, in service of hopefully just like shifting the culture, changing the world how I can, even if it's by way of conversations like this. So that's who I am. Ooh, I'm thrilled to be up in this space with you. Oh my gosh, I appreciate you bringing that energy into this space. I love that you talked about your journey of asking why's and shifting your mindset from overthinker to, no, I'm just trying to change the culture. Hello. How does that help or how do boundaries help in changing the culture? Yeah. And so I've been, um, I actually been thinking about like, just like my boundary journey. And so let me just tell you this. I was really excited when I came across your platform because like in as much as like the language around boundary I'd say is more mainstream and apparent now like I think over the past like few years I've been trying to like just make sense of okay how do I navigate work and like other roles and like my passion and like the toll of the work and like the toll of the other roles that like I hold in life um and honor myself and well-being in the process and I don't know that I ever had like the language of like boundary right mm -hmm. right I was even um and y'all by the way I'm like a I'm like a circular storyteller and so I promise I'm gonna get to the answer to the question but like this is how I think right but I, I was even just kind of like reflecting on like okay um like where did or how did like boundaries ever become apparent to me mm -hmm. like without me even knowing. Yeah. And let's talk about shifting culture a bit. And so I remember when I was younger, um, my mother, like how she like mothered and parented us in the context of family, like she was really clear and like people were really clear. They're just like certain things you ain't about to do in front of Loretta's kids. And they're just like, like ain't certain things that you about to say in front of Loretta's kids. They were just like certain things that mm -hmm. were expectations and like community agreements we needed mm -hmm. to have as it related to, you know, Loretta's children. And I think about that, like, I mean, granted, um, I don't know if we had the language of boundaries, but my mama was setting boundaries. My mother was shifting the culture because I think about what it means to like, in that day and time, like challenge your elders and people in your family around like, you know, these are the rules of engagement as it relates to my seed. That's shifting culture. I think a lot of times we talk about shifting culture. We talk about it at like, the high level, like it got to be at an institution or it has to be at an organization or it needs to be more, more broadly like cultural shifts. Mm -hmm. I see cultural shifts or opportunity for cultural shift in our day to day, whether it's in, you know, how I raise, you know, a free black boy and cultivate a home where he can thrive, whether it's how I manage a team, um, whether it's how I 
you know, show up in my intimate like relationship, right? I think that for me, um, to get to your questions as it relates to, as your question as it relates to like boundary and culture shift, boundary has been a tool hmm. to facilitate culture shift, right? Boundary has been a tool to facilitate culture shift even before like I had the language, right? Like even before, like I had the language or like a definition of boundary, right? Right. Anyway, oh. which is which I which I think is fascinating because a lot of times I feel like we find ourselves in situations where our experiences like come first before we necessarily have the language mm. of like validating that experience. It's something there's something powerful about the language and like a lot of times we're experiencing this stuff without even knowing it's a thing. Exactly. Um, I feel like I rambled a bit, but yes, boundaries I feel like for me have been a tool to like facilitate culture shift mm. in different uh context of relationship mm. in any relationship in any it relationship. like your mother was able to do it in and any right it, I mean you know people might side eye you right <laughs> people might side eye you right when you when you when you have the audacity mm. to set um, boundaries and model self-love in that way Mm, and model self-love in that way I love that even though you weren't able to describe what that behavior was you knew it was something that you wanted (laughs) to hold on to for the rest of your life and thinking about that legit like the power of like um you know just remembering and just like thinking thinking more critically about our experiences and like what we can learn from. I've been, I've been also reflecting on, and I hope I'm not derailing us, but I've been reflecting on how oftentimes a common conversation is how like generational, like trauma is passed down. But I think there's excellent opportunity to also talk about how like generational gift and resource and like, you know, possibility is also passed down Mm. my mama taught me boundaries y'all before they was even a thing Mm. and how she loved me uh so so and it it built your relationship with your mom through that type of behavior Mm -hmm. but before we talk about your amazing mother and everything that she has given (laughs) to you I'd love to know that now that you have that language and that vocabulary what do you define boundaries as yeah um so I've been reflecting on that too. Like, what does this mean to me? And so when I think about boundaries, I think about just like standards of engagement. Mm. I think about what it means to uh, have guardrails and I use buffers even. And so I was, I was, you know, buffers that we set with those of, of whom we're in relationships. So that could be work, that could be intimate, that can be platonic, that can be professional. And so these guardrails, these buffers, I think that language or that imagery resonates with me because when I think about buffers and guardrails, and I'm gonna show y'all something in a little bit, I think, I don't, I don't think rigid and rough. Mm. I think about a source of support. I think about a model of like love. And so I was thinking about, um, so y'all gotta, four, almost five-year-old. And when he was a baby, we co-slept. Um, and, uh, you know, once he started to get a little big, like it started to get a little risky 
because he could roll off the bed, right? Like it's like overseas. So I had bought, I had purchased these guardrails for the bed, the ones that you can actually put on an adult bed on one side to make sure. And so I was actually cleaning out my office today and I looked at it and was like, yo, this is boundaries. I have to, I'm excited to share this with Katrina. And so look at this. I'm gonna show you this because this is my definition of boundary. And I and it's it resonates so much. And so when you look at this, like right, can you still hear me? Mm-hmm. This is, this is very soft, right? This is very soft. It's even transparent, like to a certain extent, right? You roll up on this, he's not gonna hurt himself. Like if he bumps up on this, he's not gonna hurt himself, right? I think there's something to be said about how, um, and as much as boundary can feel like, depending on the person who we're holding accountable to it, boundary can feel like an affront. Mm. It can feel real rigid. It can feel like you, you, you hit up on something but the reality is like it's really soft it's like really supportive it's protective now what would be ratchet is if I let him roll off the bed multiple times without mm-hmm. making the investment in some guardrails you know what I mean like that would be mm-hmm. like you might question like all right Brett, I know you don't know the closely but they like grab some guardrails right and I think such is the case with ourselves and like boundaries right mm-hmm. um they're not, I don't think that they're rigid. I don't define boundaries as something that's rigid. I don't liken it to a brick wall, mm. right? I think boundaries could even be a source of connection because to the extent that you can honor my boundaries, to the extent that I am open to your boundaries, David, like the connect, I mean, like the possibilities, right? <laughs> the possibilities for community and relationship. You, you name that word at the top, the possibilities for community and relationship. And so when I saw that, I was like, okay, Jesus be knowing, the ancestors be knowing. This is what I'm talking about today with Katrina. And that's my definition of boundary guardrails, standards of engagement, sources of support, a model of, of self love that we set with those of whom we're in relationship. And um, that hit different. That hit it definitely different. did. And I'll just let y'all know if you are listening to this that I love the way that Brittany says in relationships. So I might bring <laughs> up relationship a lot in this, but I love that through that relationship with your child, you wanted them to remain safe. And huh. all I could think about was harm. Like he's going to cause himself harm. You're going to be harmed. You're going to come also. through. Because he's not safe. So somebody got to be safe in this relationship. And I'm trying to get it with the boundaries in place. Have you prevented harm to yourself recently with boundaries? Katrina. So so first of all, that connection you just made about the harm and like, like he don't even know that I'm trying to prevent harm. Like, right? Like, he doesn't they don't, don't even, even know. know he don't even know so so when you said that like the harm it like like I just had like instant connection like wow you don't even know that what I'm doing is for us and most likely um it's supportive of and can um, minimize harm for you so anyway yeah when I think about myself when I think about harm and what it means for me, and I'm, I'm going to just speak real present day, mm-hmm. just by nature of the context of my work, y'all, which is really the essence of like, I am not my work. And I can even share a little bit more about like where that came from, because it had a lot to do with what I felt like 
me not being able to manage the harm that end up being a byproduct of the nature of the work that I do. And so let's just, let me just tell you, like, you know, being a Black woman at the intersection of equity and inclusion work, more specifically supporting institutions, comes with a fatigue. My boss just wrote a whole book book called Black Fatigue, y'all. Um, how racism erodes the mind, body, and spirit. And that's real. Like, I can't detect, I can't, like, I can't necessarily um, or couldn't or was struggling with detaching like my black womanness from the emotional toll of literally having to spend a big chunk of my work life educating people in power, more specifically white people around the impact of racial injustice. Do I do it well? Do I love it? Do I believe it is purpose-driven work? Yes. And it can be very draining. It can feel very harmful, um, particularly in the context of a global pandemic, particularly in the context of a much more broad racial reckoning, mm. particularly just in the context of having other roles that I'm in, in responsibilities. And so boundaries end up feeling like, you know, those guardrails that I needed in order to continue to like just show up present in my work, you know what I mean? And so for me, so last year, I will say, was probably the most difficult, at the end of 2020, was like the most difficult for me as a DEI practitioner. Mm-hmm. Why? At the end of a global pandemic that, hey, by the way, is disparately impacting Black people, a racial reckoning, compounding a effect of just racialized trauma on our social media feeds on top of clients who are signing up and saying they're about that life but we're I'm also experiencing a lot of just like resistance mm-hmm. like having to like make our stuff more palatable and, and like sort of like contort the work and like figure out new ways to explain stuff sometimes unfortunately in service of power and like white discomfort all of that had me thinking a lot about myself. Mm. The work started to have me like thinking uh, and rethinking like myself, my effectiveness, whether or not I was really like purpose driven. Am I, is this really my purpose? If I need a break, is this really, am I really effective if people ain't getting it? I can't be doing this right. Mm. Like all of that started to show up as like self-talk, talk about harm, mm. talk about like, you know, certainly I would say industry inflicted harm, but then also self-inflicted harm because those were the narratives that I was like, um, I was like telling myself, Mm. right? And so it became really important for me to start to establish boundary between what is my profession and like who I am. And so like even, and that's just one kind of boundary, like that's just one kind of, we didn't even get into like personal, like <laughs> interpersonal relationship, I'm talking about in the context of my work, you know, and a lot of this is like very much so, I'm gonna get real theoretical, forgive me y'all, but I think there's something to be said about understanding just much more broader social and cultural context. It is not by chance that most of us, um, and it is very common that we conflate our professional identity with who we are. Think about how early we ask kids, what you want to be when you grow up? You know what I mean? Like, just think about how early we ask that, like, what you want to be as if who you are, like, in this moment 
or like that's everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been thinking about under the system of, you know, colonialism. And so I'm gonna just go ahead and define terms. Like that that's the taking of land, right? Under the system of um, anti-Blackness, that's the taking of body. Mm-hmm. It is actually very on brand for me to feel like, especially if I've been, if I've internalized this or been injected with this as a social norm, it's actually very on brand that I think that all I am is what I do. So much so when my work comes under scrutiny, I now think it's a front at me. Mm-hmm. When my work is being challenged, like I'm now thinking I'm not enough. Or when I don't have work, I'm now thinking through like whether or not I'm worthy of just like being. You know what I mean? Like, and so you talk about like, just like the harm piece, like that's kind of like where my brain has been, Mm. Katrina, over the last year, because something so normalized as, you know, what you do and have done determines who you are, like worthiness of being heard, Mm. worthiness of being called to table, worthiness of being like, you know, being seen as fully human. Mm. Um, I think about how I spent And we spend, like, don't get me wrong, we can absolutely be proud of our accomplishments. I think in a system where we're set up to fail more specifically as black and brown people, um, to be proud of our accomplishments is low key a form of resistance, right? Like, I don't don't gotta be humble about it. And I think there's opportunity to exist or embody a level of clarity just around like Mm -hmm. self-worth. And so, cause if we don't, you know, have that, we can absolutely, you know, find ourselves in low key, like, like identity crises, crises. I'm, I'm starting to ramble, but to get back to your, to your question around just like harm in the intrapersonal sense, how I see myself boundaries have helped me and have, have been guardrail in clarifying just my identity and who I am. Um, boundaries have also helped me, you know, get really clear about prioritizing those things that nourish my spirit. And so let me just give you a real practical example of like a, 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 a work, a, a sort of like a mental, I guess, boundary that I made more recently. I only um, am engaging in like restorative consumption. I'm only reading certain things these mm. days. Make sure really bomb book, y'all. It's called Spirituality in the Black Helping Tradition. And when I tell you, it's like one of the most restorative reads as a Black woman. Um, I've been doing a lot of restorative reading. I've been doing a lot of restorative listening. Mm. Um, So boundaries looks like me filtering out certain things Mm. on my social feeds. I'm not participating in certain book clubs Mm. a couple of years ago. And it just came to me, talk about not having the language. A couple of years ago, I was invited to do this book club, be part of this book club, and they were reading White Fragility. And I'm going to be honest, like this was 2018. I actually remember sharing like, hmm, I don't know if I want to read that book because, and this is no, let me just, let me just give y'all some, this is, well, this is my critical take. I don't feel the need to, um, disclaim or give a disclaimer Mm. around my truth and so I'm not even going to do that but what I will say is (laughs) there's the inclination sometimes for us to be like well let me just you know preface this with I'm not going to do that this is my truth Mm. and I hope it's received in a very loving way um in that moment in time I was really struggling as a practitioner with what I felt like was this was probably like 2018 a lot of 
um, just work on like black trauma and like racism and how it's impacting like black people. Like it just was a lot of like, it was an overwhelming amount of resources, noise, data reports that from my perspective were centered on like just like black pain Mm. and how black people were being harmed by white people and so that book for me was low-key triggering Mm. right and so so in the moment I didn't know it right I knew I had read a few chapters y'all I fell asleep on the um on the airplane and woke up and my spirit was like (sighs) like really unease. Like I had it, like it was unease and I couldn't remember why. And I remembered, I actually went back to, 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 to listen back or read what I was listening to. And it was like the chapter where she gets on like subversive racism. And so the ways that white people are like racist, she's naming it racist, um, but don't even know it um, and do it in just really subversive ways. Mm. My soul felt it. Y'all, my soul felt it. I know my soul felt it, but it did so much so that I was like a little shaken, like after, you know, reading it, it affirmed why I kind of in that moment in time, wasn't really ready to be ingesting that kind of content. We have to be mindful boundaries ain't just for people, but Mm -hmm. even like what we're consuming on Mm -hmm. the day to day. I remember sharing with somebody like, I don't want to participate in this book club anymore Mm. because this isn't nourishing my soul and like where I am right now I don't want to think critically Mm. I need soul nourishing content Mm. just again because of the context of my work and they could not understand they were like you're not being a team player you signed up for it you're not doing like it just was this like guilting and I'm literally saying this book is um or where I am right now I can Mm. no longer consume content in this way where I am, that's a boundary. Mm. Where I am right now, I can't really consider. I'm not saying the, the, the I'm not saying the content isn't um, worthy of being consumed mm. by others. I'm not saying the content um, isn't valuable. Yeah. It won't be valuable to others. I'm not saying that I'm not a team player. I am saying that there is something about where I am right now mm. that um, this content and media does not like support like mm. my mental well-being, especially given the work I do. Mm. I actually did like a little, so I, so, so it's interesting talk about setting a boundary and then like carving out alternative, like for self, like, okay, I still want to engage. I still want to read. I still want to feed my soul. I found something else to read. Right. Mm. Um, I, I was thinking about that the other day because I didn't know that was a boundary. When that happened, I actually felt bad. I was like, dang, I'm not taking one for the team. I should probably just read it. You know what I mean? Or like, dang, like suck it, you know, but that was a, that was a boundary for me. That was a boundary for me. I'm really clear on what my soul and sort of like what my mind has capacity for in this moment. Capacity for in this moment. In this moment. And if we're in a relationship, can you like, can you be okay with that? Hey, David, (laughs) what if I don't read the book? (laughs) That's the only way we can continue to be in (laughs) relationship. if you that's actually good because I'm glad you bring that up that's the only way we can continue because I've been reflecting on moments where I felt like or felt guilted because of a boundary and it felt like a tiny slit you know what I mean like a tiny cut like dang why are you making me feel bad about my boundary I can't trust you now you know like why are you not being receptive to my boundary why do you feel bad? Why are you associating my commitment oh my and gosh. engagement 
So the fact that you said at this moment, so before when we didn't have the vocabulary, we were able, or we were not able, but willing to take those cuts to ensure that the relationships Mm. continue in that moment. Now mm. that we have this vocabulary, we no longer are willing to take the, oh my God. And I feel like I have the, and, and I feel like I can say, you know what, this is in love, right? You know what I mean? This is in love and granted, that was a model of like self-love. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and when I think about self-love, I think we shouldn't, um, like I, when I, we shouldn't, or it can feel really uncomfortable when someone interprets our self-love mm. as um, an affront to them. Because then it puts us in a position where we're like, dang, why, why does my love, like, why can't my love for myself and you coexist? Like, right. That's kind of jacked up that I even got asked that, especially when I got a reason for you. I'm just like processing this right now. Like not even just in that scenario. That's such a, I mean, that's like not small because I'll be honest in that moment, work was work. And like, Mm -hmm. though that circle was such a big part of my life that Mm -hmm. I'm like, dang, am I not worthy of being in this community just because I don't, want to engage in this way that's not fair right that's not fair <laughs> right um but you mentioned earlier about you said this and it really hit me to the chest you said managing the harm the fact of the matter is as a black woman in america harm is going to come to us regardless mm. in so many ways and in so many avenues apparently um the ability to manage that harm and how much you want to take on in that moment man, That's a lot. Is, is what we need to decide um how what helps you to manage that harm what have been have you been using to manage the harm um so a big part of me uh, a big part of sort of like my journey has been validating like all that I'm feeling in the moment. I actually think that a lot of the toll is because we're like second guessing, like in that moment, like we're second guessing whether or not what we feel is valid. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Toni Morrison has this quote where she talks about how racism um, is a distraction. It literally keeps you in this posture of over explaining, over defending. Somebody tells you this, you're trying to prove them wrong. Somebody says you can't do this, you're trying to prove them wrong. Somebody tells them you're not worthy of this, you're trying to prove them wrong. And a lot of that has to do with like when we unpack it, like in a culture of just, you know, domination, like this need for like external validation mm-hmm. from like other sources and external sources. And so first step for me and managing is, you know, managing is validating what I'm feeling Mm -hmm. like in the moment. Like I, whatever, like, like in this moment, I feel really uneasy. You know what I mean? Like in this moment, like I feel really hurt. Mm -hmm. Like in this moment, I feel really vulnerable. Like in this moment, I want to cry. Like in this moment, I'm like hella angry. Like, you know what I mean? Like in this moment, um, and I don't have to prove why, you know what I mean? I ain't got proof. Why? Like, let me just, so, so I got this, this therapy journal and it says my therapy journal, it says your side of the story may never be heard or validated by others. Get comfortable with learning how to validate yourself in your own story, Dr. Ebony. And so I've been thinking about that because part of managing harm is knowing that 
when when people cause you harm like you're valid in your reaction mm-hmm. flat out I'm valid in my reaction and I'm not about to gaslight myself especially when anybody else in their mom is gaslighting me mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I'm not gonna the gaslight myself mm-hmm. I think uh another so I think the validation piece is one um I think another piece for me has been I've been I've developed a fluency in like communicating impact mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I'm, I'm at a place now where I can actually say, um, when I heard you say that, mm-hmm. when you did that, like I felt it hit me in this way. Mm-hmm. I really need clarity on your intentions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? like, help me under my, uh, look, I, I hit people with this a lot. Help me understand people in my personal circles hate it. Help me understand what you intended because the impact was this. Right. And so I think fluency around impact, I think, um, so validating fluence, like really being able to articulate impact. And another thing I'm real comfortable with disengaging. Mm. I've actually been in situations where people have been discomforted by my level of comfort with disengaging. Mm -hmm. And so I'm real, I'm real quick with the, in this moment in time, I no longer want to continue discussing this. Oh my God. Power in the pause. Or put differently like the way I'm feeling right now I don't know if I'm about to make progress in communicating how I feel nor do I have the energy to which is still validating your emotions (laughs) that's why that's phase one Mm. that's that's why that's phase one that's what right I think about like I remember I was in a and this was in a word contact we were having a discussion I said you know what in this moment I'm going to respectfully disengage Mm. I can tell, I track my body, mm. intense situations, intense situations. I've become very like certainly mentally aware, mm. but also like very attentive to just like how my body responds mm. in certain, uh, uh, whether it's conflict, whether it's, you know, when, when I'm experiencing harm, whether in di- intentional or not. Mm. And so I'm real quick to like settle, like if I, I can feel, and for the folks who are only listening, I'm like patting my, my chest here, but like, I can feel and will zero in on my breath in certain situations, mm. like on purpose. Cause a lot of time our body responds before our mind does. That's why there's this book that um, I read and a big fan of the work of Resma Minicum, mm. who does a lot of work around somatic abolitionism and racialized trauma. And he talks about how the body, you know, holds trauma and he gives an example um, that I think is really practical. Don't you know when you, uh, don't you know how when, like if you put your hand on the iron, a lot of times you go and cuss or like yell before you have time to move, mm-hmm. right? So your mind is like, it's like snap. Imagine if you were able to like connect with the pain first, right? Your body, anyway, he explains it so much better. But I think about how if I'm able to settle my body in certain sentences. And so maybe that's like hand over chest. Girl, I've been in meetings where I've gave myself like mm. um, self-hug for those who are only listening. I'm like wrapping my arms around my body right now. I'll sometimes rock. Like mm. in, I've been in meetings where I'm like rocking and I'm really processing. Mm. There's power in that pause. Because mm. frankly, you know, I don't know that we can resolve harm in real time 
that's just not how any of that works. You know what I mean? Like we can't necessarily always have harm repair in real time, Mm -hmm. but we can validate our emotions. Mm -hmm. We can communicate impact. Mm -hmm. We can um, settle and comfort our body where we need. You know what I mean? We can respectfully disengage. These are the tactics, right? These are the tactics that support me. Uh, Like I know folks be like in lists and stuff, right? Like that's the kind of stuff that I think about in, 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 in that so like interpersonal relationships where I'm experiencing harm or perhaps my boundary uh, has been crossed and I'm experiencing an impact and an, an impact. I also think um, where you're in a situation where like the, the relationships mean something, right? And so I even think about in the workplace context, my team, we actually debriefed and developed community boundaries. Mm. I asked them a question. I'm so sorry, y'all. I just burped into the mic. Um, <laughs> my bad. Um, I asked them a question, and this is about this is like the repair work, but then also the proactive work to minimize harm, right? I asked them a question. Um, what does it look like to show up on our team? Because that's all I can really control as the fullest expression of yourself. Mm. What do you need from the team? <laughs> What do you need from us in order for that to happen? Where do you anticipate conflict? Mm. Um, you know what I mean? And we actually use those to like frame up our community agreements and boundaries. And so if I know that I am managing someone who perhaps is not neurotypical or has a mental disability, I know that there are things that I need to hold myself accountable to mm. as a leader, right? As to not cross the boundaries that they have put into place so that they can show up as the fullest expression of themselves. That's my responsibility. I don't get it right all the time, Um, but that's responsibility. And so I think that there's like stuff that you can do in real time, which was that stuff I was talking about earlier, the commute, the validating self, the Mm -hmm. um, communicating impact, the settling your body, the respectfully disengaging but then I think there's like proactive stuff you can do to minimize harm and that's like collectively you know as a collective coming up with agreements and like boundaries I've been thinking about what that means in the context of intimate relationship I ain't really squared away on that yet oh right? like, I, I don't really know what that looked like yet we, we, we ain't perfect in these streets right oh my gosh oh no and I'm perfect. learning about this through my own personal relationships even um with my partner, I'm learning that the the time to talk about what you should not be doing is not in the middle of an argument. I, that is not the time to be talking about what I don't want you to do. We should be having these conversations on a weekly basis. Is that a pre- daily basis? That's good. A, because during that time, you already, mm-hmm. I'm already at, do you want to fight? Good. I am not at, let's have a conversation. <laughs> I'm at, do you want to fight? And that's not the place that you want to be to, to be in relationship with because mm, I want good. to be in, but not in that moment I do not we do have a question <laughs> in the chat the mm. question is how have your professional and personal circles changed as your boundaries have evolved Ooh. so mm, that's such a vulnerable question mm. so um so that's so good that's so good um, cause that's something I've been reflecting on. Mm-hmm. I do feel like 
by the way, y'all, if you haven't tried, I'm, I'm emotionally expressive physically by way of hands and then maybe just like my face mm-hmm. and then also like emotionally because when things when vulnerable questions are asked and they evoke an emotion at me I might get a little like choke 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 I'm also one to persevere through those um but yeah I've been thinking about that because I'll be honest I really wasn't talking about radical self-love I am not my work mm-hmm. like two years ago three years yeah. ago And I've struggled with like how people I care about have interpreted that like shift, like legit. Okay. I have struggled with that. And so the question is like so relevant and top of mind. Like, yeah. So, so, you know, to be frank, like, everybody ain't with it right um I've had like people perhaps think or interpret my like growth as an affront to them or maybe like abandonment you know and that that hit Right, the blame the person who asked the question. Kimberly asked the question. Um, and that hurt. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, like that's actually like some of the like work that I'm in pro in process, like in like processing. Like, please don't I be saying this a lot on the podcast. I don't know if I talked about the podcast by the way, but like I talk about this all on the podcast. Like, I don't really got answers, y'all. I got more questions than I do answers and like. I've been thinking about that and like trying to process like, damn, why? I told you like, like, why, why is that so? Like, and I know in theory, like that's part of growth that like your circles may change and certain people may change, but that's really tough to reconcile. I have absolutely experienced um, a shift in people's, I think, perception of me and my understanding of our relationship um and that has been difficult that has been difficult that has been so difficult and that's why I'm like such an advocate for and I mentioned a couple weeks ago on an episode like I wish folks understood that radical self-love is very much so communal Like, even though there's the self part, like radical self-love is communal because in as much as I am able to model and begin to think more critically about how I show up in love for myself, I'm able to think more lovingly and critically about how I show up in love for others. You know what I mean? And so like, don't be mad at me because I'm doing that work. Come join me, right? in this work, we talk about gaps a lot. And when my circle started shifting, I started to realize there's a gap there. This education mm-hmm. is not readily that's, available. No, that is, that's the truth. I'm so glad you where brought- would they get it from? I, I work in that's this, real. so I'm exposed to it on a constant basis. Well, I, I also have that therapist, which mm-hmm. people from my community, where they, 
You know what I mean? So the gap is there and it's, it's huge and it's heartbreaking. I can't even, it is heartbreaking that that gap mm-hmm. is there, but um, there's not, um, what can we do? What can we do to fill the gap besides continue to do this work? So, and this is why I hope you know just how brilliant you are and impactful this platform is and how necessary um because I do think that some of this stuff can feel really out of reach intentionally right in that Mm -hmm. systems would and you know dominant culture white supremacy whatever you want to call it what apps will, will continue to thrive and systems will continue to function as they are as long as we feel like there is no other option and so I think Right. So I feel like part of the reimagining relationship is, you know, everything ain't got to be in a book. Right. I think the, the, the beauty in like conversations like this, right. And making it more accessible, mm-hmm. like more like day to day, like you ain't got to go to a, a, a Ford, a, a, what do you call it, institution to mm-hmm. learn about some of this stuff. Like that's actually very much so on purpose that a lot of this complex stuff is very much so like steeped in or hidden in some four-year mm-hmm. or post-four-year institutions curriculum. Mm-hmm. It's like, or in someone's company's professional development. Mm-hmm. The fact that that is very much so like, like more understanding of oneself is privileged is very much so on brand with our system. And so to your question around like the gap and your, your, your that resonates with me because I'm also like, when I think about, if I'm gonna get specific and I'm, um, uh, I'm processing this down, I think about it too, because I think another gap is, if I were to think, if so if I were to think back to Kimberly's question about like the, the circles that have been impacted, mm-hmm. you know, some of them have been, um, in relationship with just other Black women. Mm-hmm. And so I think about, and I'm cautious of and gracious to our lived experience of needing to caretake in ways that oftentimes inhibit our ability to expand oneself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so even when it's accessible, we may not even have capacity advantage of it because we're so busy directing our energy into other people and other things you know and so like that resonates too so it's like an accessibility but then also a capacity factor right um and so that's why a part of this inch I like to call it like this intrapersonal reckoning I'm on is this realization or coming to this realization that I can actually pour into myself just because not because I need to educate somebody else like I can actually pour into my own development I can actually invest in um, expanding um, my own you know knowledge base I can invest in my mental well-being not necessarily because I need to do something for somebody else because I deserve it. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's a bite. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. Sh- it'll impact other relationships, but like, I am doing this for me mm. and that's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I am expanding my understanding for me. I am broadening my way of thinking for me. I am invested in my spiritual development for me. 
It is absolutely going to show up in another relationship, but it is okay if I'm just doing this for me. Like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of times we train or get training so that we could teach somebody else real quick. Mm. And that sometimes like creates a dissociation with our, like a diso, like that's the, I'm not my work. Like, damn, can you just be like, can you mm. just be in like less stuff, just like sit in and marinate with it mm. and like work it in you before you feel compelled to teach somebody else. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Because when we don't, when we don't do that work, we may end up causing harm because we haven't yet embodied like what we know intellectually Mm. anyway. And that ties it all back together. Are you getting that new certification? Are you going back to school for you to better yourself, to learn more about yourself, to show more self-love to yourself? Or is it for work? Because that relationship is priority in your, oh my gosh, is that relationship priority in my life? important like that's a good like how much time like like even if you were to like do a chart of like all the ways you've invested in you Mm. for you I just I'm curious for myself now like if I were to make a chat a chart of all the things I've invested just in me not because I necessarily want to monetize it not because I necessarily want to you know prove something to somebody not because I necessarily need to do it for you know, but just for me, like, what are some of the things that I could probably list out? I don't know. You just, now you just got me thinking about that. Like, I mean, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah, so we have to think about our right. lives apparently after, after this episode, but to close it out today, I would love to hear, I know we've talked about a lot of heavy stuff and I appreciate you sharing it with us. I cannot thank you enough for even diving into a bit of your life with us today, because, um, I needed it, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Um, but to close us out today, I'd love to hear your top three tips for anybody who's just learning about boundaries and wants to start setting them at work or they're moving into their first role and don't know what to do. What would be your top three tips for them? For young professionals um, going into the workplace, for folks starting new roles, I'm heavy on the self-reflection, right? I'm heavy on the self-reflection. I have experienced great value in um, defining who I am. Like we overestimate the extent I think that we know each other. Mm. I would be interested folks who are listening, if you could journal, like um, before you go into any institution or system, be really clear on who you are. Mm. Like be really clear on who you are before that, before that title, I am. What are some of the things you might, that might follow that. Mm. I, what are some of the things that might follow that? Um, the reason why I offer that, and I'm about to show y'all a picture that I drew for myself that keeps me grounded because I think that if I were to, when I'm, what I, what I want to get at is that, you know, folks be grounded because no matter what institutional, like whatever setting you go in, you can go back to that boundaries or being grounded or boundaries are a byproduct from my perspective and of being grounded in like who you are, knowing who you are. I created this tree for myself, y'all. I don't know if y'all can see it. And I apologize for the folks who are only listening in, but it's a picture of a tree, um, but you can actually see the roots, right? And my idea here is that our roots are like our values. Our roots are like wisdom. Our roots are like our, per- you know, um, what else I got on here? History. Mm-hmm. Those things that like follow like the I am that perhaps have nothing to do with what you do for a living. Our roots are our faith and like spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I think about the trunk of the tree 
being like purpose and like how we show up purpose and like the leaves and all of that other stuff being like our profession, our hobbies, our practices. I think core to that are our boundaries, right? I don't think boundaries are gonna, well, not core to that, but I think a byproduct of like being grounded are our boundaries. I don't think you will experience peace having not knowing yourself in any environment. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is get to know you. I am your values, your history, and, and stay grounded in that. A second thing, like actually practice, and maybe like, this is really practical. Practice with someone you trust, Mm -hmm. um, communicating impact, right? Communicating impact um, or questioning intention. Like practice that. I I feel like that has really, really supported me. But if you're not practicing it, when you're in a situation, you might freeze like, what do we do, right? Uh, And so I think I would anticipate in any environment, unfortunately, because people ain't perfect, that someone might say something, whether intentional or not, to cause harm. Practice um, communicating impact and getting curious about intention. Mm, this impacted me this way. Help me understand what your intentions were. Practice that with somebody. Practice that with somebody. And then three, um, come up with your own boundaries contract. Right now, granted, you may not give it to you might not give it to your boss like you may not do that. But I think there is something about just clarity. Mm. Once you start to learn, the, the you know, learn the, the waters or test the waters of the institution. Certainly, once you continue to do the work of learning and understanding yourself, use all of that as data to develop like your own boundaries contract. Right. Like, what does that look like? I require or be in this environment because I think boundaries look different in different contexts. In this environment, I expect this. In this environment, I expect this. In this environment, I expect this. If this happens, I will communicate it this way. Some sort of like, and maybe contract isn't the word, promise. I like promise better. Maybe like a boundaries promise statement or something to that effect. Get to know you. Um, practice with someone you trust, communicating impact and getting curious about intentions in the event that something happens and develop like a boundaries promise to yourself as you go into institution. Those are my three, Katrina. Those are amazing <laughs> tips. And that boundaries contract, you don't even have to say it aloud, but you in don't. those interviews, you will be asking, hey, how do y'all feel about Ooh, Black I love being that. vocal in the workplace? Because that's something I'm, passionate about being vocal and if they look at <laughs> that's you that's so good that's really practical too. Ha- having that data like right. knowing your yes and and, ha- and being ready stay ready and gotta get ready you know what they say <laughs> <laughs> and then you just go off your little contract or your promise list that you have um and just so say good. okay these are promises y'all cannot keep i will be pushing never make the promise that I can keep letting me. That's how show you told me what you what wanted. Was a, what's that other song? <laughs> promise ring. I promise. Oh, promise. Yes. You, I promise. <laughs> Don't track the boundaries and we ain't even know. Let's talk about it. Anyway, look up all these um, songs that we talked about today on our next soundtrack that's coming out. But thank you so much for these tips. Yeah. Are there any last minute sprinkles you'd like to share with the audience? Um, I would just absolutely say keep in touch, y'all who are listening. Um, who are listening, please keep in touch. I'm found everywhere um by way of Brittany Janae. 
every Monday I, I strive to put out a episode of Liberated Love Notes on Living Corporate Network. And it is an opportunity for me to just process, reflect, affirm, show love, um, more specifically to, you know, it's a for us, by us um, kind of medium. And so you can stay in touch by way of Liberated Love Notes, the podcast. You can catch me at BrittanyJanae.com. Liberated Love Notes are actually affirmation cards. Of course, we are a proud partner, too, of the absolutely not platform um and certainly by way of just like professionally I'm on LinkedIn and all the things I write I speak um I strive to just be some days and so certainly welcome being in community with your listeners so thank you for having me Oh, I cannot thank you enough for being here. My paper is full. My cup is full. My heart Mm. is heavy, a little heavy, (laughs) but I will be processing that that on my own time, hopefully Mm. with an episode of Liberated Love Notes, because it is the shit. Mm. If you have not listened to it, please do so today. (laughs) (laughs) Until (laughs) next time, keep setting those boundaries and saying absolutely not to everything unaligned. See you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Absolutely Not. Your support means the world to me. You can always further support the show by leaving a review or visiting the Support the Mission page on my website, www.katrinastroll.com. My website is also where you can register for upcoming live episodes, watch amazing past episodes of Absolutely Not, and buy Absolutely Not merch. Yay! Until next time, keep setting those boundaries and saying absolutely not to anything unaligned. See you next time.